Hello, listeners. A warm welcome to you. And you know what? Thank you for your interest in improving yourself. We're all on that journey. And I just want you to know that I admire your eagerness to learn and grow. Uh, You could have done anything with this time and you are choosing to use this bit of time sharpening your axe, so to speak. Cultivating the quality of diligence is, of course, what we are considering in this podcast. And it's certainly a topic quite worthy of your attention and mine. After all, God says that we are to give what we do all we've got. When he says in Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I mean, If you think about it, there's not a single role model in scripture that lacked this quality of diligence. I don't know if you've seen the meme that something like, girl, you can eat all the kale, lift all the weights, trash all that doesn't spark joy, wash your face and hustle like mad. But if you don't rest your soul in Jesus, you'll never find peace and purpose. Unquote. So first priority in this podcast is, of course, to help those listening that most of all need to be diligent in saving your eternal soul by discontinuing the habitual habit of sin in your life. That's the most basic level of diligence that is too important to just pass by. Confessing Christ as Lord of your life and being born all over again spiritually by being immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sin. If you need help finding someone locally that can help make that happen, feel free to private message us at Nomads UNI and I will help put you in contact with a Church of Christ that listens carefully to the Good Shepherd and can sit down with you hear what your spiritual goals are and show you in the Bible where God talks about salvation and help you get into a warm, sheltering, beautiful relationship with him. Also, my program at Nomads You and I called What God Says Happens the Day You Are Baptized, that might also be a good resource for you to have a deeper understanding of what baptism is all about. So maybe in the past you were diligent about being born again into a fresh start, but where you most need diligence in your life is to go back to putting first things first. And that is to say the daily nourishing of your eternal soul. God commends that beautiful attitude and says loving him is more foundational really than anything else when he says, quote, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Proverbs 4.23. To watch over your heart is the most important area of diligence because if you don't protect your heart, it can be easily ruined by sin, just like you see happening almost everywhere in the precious souls around you. So how do you watch over your heart? Well, Bible reading and prayer for starters. You'll find a deep dig exploration of Bible study and prayer if you listen to the podcast called Enjoying a More Intimate Prayer Life and another called How to Talk and Listen to God. This brings us to my first of 10 ideas for finding more satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment in whatever endeavors we pursue. The first idea in finding more satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment in diligence is to number one, stop romanticizing laziness. <laughs> laziness is the coolest at the moment, just like a lot of other things in our culture that are turned upside down right now. It's like up is down, cold is hot, bad is good, sloth or lethargy is somehow, quote, being good to yourself. Good to yourself? 
Here's what God says. God says, for example, of the worthy woman in Proverbs 31, that she does not eat the bread of idleness. It's like what L.W. Pierso said, quote, if you're coasting, you are going downhill, unquote. So here's the weirder thing. Even religious people romanticize laziness by accusing diligent people who are working hard for God and God's people of not understanding that they are saved by grace. Listen, it is not fair to assume that the believer who is knocking him or herself out actively loving God's people doesn't realize that they cannot earn their salvation or doesn't realize that they are utterly dependent on the mercy of God. A diligent Christian totally gets that. My amazing brothers and sisters in Christ that I have witnessed expending themselves out on the well-being of others are certainly not trying to earn their salvation. They are just so in love with God that these brothers and sisters just need a place to pour out all that love and gratitude. My diligent church family realize that we are all going to expend ourselves on something And so a lot of them have just discovered for themselves the joy of expending oneself in eternal souls and just how more blessed it is to give than to receive. The same way God, who says we are to trust him alone for salvation for our souls, also says in Colossians 3.23 that whatever the work at hand, we are to do it as heartily as if we were doing it for the Lord himself. So the reason the scriptures so frequently stress the value of diligence is that, if truth be told, it's a matter of what's going to win out, one's spirit or one's flesh. Sometimes the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, Mark 14, 38. But God says we can with the strength that he supplies, 1 Peter 4, 11, we can crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians 5.23. In other words, we don't even want to do the self-indulgent things we used to do. And here's a little something I've learned throughout life, and maybe you have too. And that is that what the flesh once thought it needed in order to be happy, it now realizes those indulgences now only lead to short-term happiness and eventually regret. I love that when it comes to using your time wisely and being productive, your mind actually can be retrained to realize that productivity feels worlds better than fruitless entertainment. In fact, sometimes work can even feel like play. I would just encourage you to take super good care of future you by diligently putting into place now the things that will prevent deep regret later. Because you know what happens when one opts out of diligence? We need to cover that for a minute before we get all into the positive reasons to be diligent. So God says in Proverbs 21, 25 through 26, the desire of the sluggard puts him to death for his hands refuse to work all day long. He is craving while the righteous gives and does not hold back, unquote. So see how the righteous who has not been a sluggard has enough for himself and enough to share. Not that he's feeding all the sluggards, of course, for God says that eating is only for those that are willing to work, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. And if that's not enough incentive to opt out of laziness, the consequences of being lazy get worse. We see in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, when the servant that lacked diligence says to the master, who represents God, he goes, 
I was afraid and I went away and hid your talent into the ground, unquote. And that his master replies, you wicked, lazy slave, unquote. And he takes away the talent from him and gives it to the one who used his talents well, then throws out the worthless, lazy slave into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, unquote. So yeah, laziness is not an option for the eternal well-being of your soul. Now, let's look at all the positives around diligence and how you can find more satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment in diligence. Idea number two is this. Realize to the core what a huge difference you are making in the world when you are conscientious, industrious, and persistent and thorough in worthwhile efforts. John Hill reminds us, quote, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do what I can, unquote. So regardless of the level of evidence that you can witness with your five senses today, let's believe God that our labor is not in vain in the Lord, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. The wonderful truth is that you, like you, are making a big difference in this world for good. It's like the movie It's a Wonderful Life that so artfully makes the point that we'll never know to what extent our little acts of love and sacrifice will make in the lives around us. But this we do know. It is more than we think, especially in the spiritual realm. Thomas Fuller reminds us, quote, if you have many irons in the fire, some will burn, unquote. And God himself declares his word never returns to him void. Isaiah 55, 11. So if you are speaking his truths to the souls he has put in front of you on this day or that, he is using you to save the world. So battle on. Thomas Jefferson noted, quote, it is wonderful how much may be done if we are always doing, unquote. So the next point to help you find more satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment in diligence is if you realize the transformative nature of diligence in your own life. That's our third idea tonight. Re- realize the transformative nature of diligence in your own life. If your work is in keeping with your purpose in the course of doing purposeful work and you are always making yourself better and better morally, intellectually, relationally, emotionally, and sometimes even physically in the course of completing the relevant projects in which you are engaged. The highest reward for a person's toil is not just in what is produced by the toil, but in what all you become because you have worked so hard. So here's an idea. Ask yourself, in what area of your life do you need more diligence? Then ask God what he wants you to do with all that you have, where you are. Also, be encouraged with this reality. Whenever we do what we can, we immediately gain the ability to do so much more. So my next idea to help you find more satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment in diligence is number four, prioritize wisely. We are warned in Proverbs 12, 11, quote, he who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues worthless things lacks sense, unquote. What worthless things might you be able to stop pursuing so that God will not consider you to be lacking sense? Let's refuse to major in the minor things of life. Again, 
God wants the best for us. That's why he warns in Proverbs 28, 19, he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty in plenty, unquote. So let's weed out those empty pursuits. Instead, we are to set our minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth, Colossians 3, 2, and use the lion's share of our diligence in the work of the Lord. Why? Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 explains that our work in the Lord is not in vain. So what does God prioritize as the best use of our diligence? I mean, here's three scriptures that make very clear where God says we should use our diligence. In 1 Peter 1, we are told to, quote, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, unquote. How does the Lord say that we are to confirm our calling? By living day to day the qualities mentioned and the virtues listed in that chapter. That is faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. In 2 Peter 3.14, we learn the best use of our diligence is to, quote, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, unquote. In other words, to remove from our lives anything we would be ashamed to be engaged in the moment he returns. Because remember, it's not like God is away right now. God is always present, even in the moments that we are breaking his heart by allowing sin to spot and blemish our souls. It also mentioned in this verse that we just read that God expects us to be, quote, at peace, unquote. So we are to diligently choose to so thoroughly trust God's love, power, and goodness that nothing can shake that peace. And lastly, on this point, Philippians 3.14 contains a reminder to prioritize diligence wisely by not wasting diligence on frivolity. This is where Paul says, the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, unquote. So my fifth idea for you to find more satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment in diligence is to get out of your own way. We get out of our own way when we realize how kind diligence is to our future self. What were your future self so wish you had done this present time in your life? You will have to eternally sacrifice the present for the future. You must put aside pleasure for security. In short, you will have to work and it's going to be difficult, unquote. (laughs) So did you guess that this is Jordan Peterson? I mean, God is still working on Jordan Peterson, and I'm praying that he will bow the knee of faith in Christ Jesus sooner than later. I mean, let's all pray for that. Anyway, he has a lot of good things to say about taking care of your future self. So here comes our sixth idea to find more satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment and diligence, and that is to change your perspective about work. I've collected for you four ways that you could shift how you think about your work so that you can enjoy it more or at least dislike it less. So here's the first new perspective. Remember that when you are undertaking a valuable new project that it's not always going to be hard as it is when you first start getting going. All things are difficult before they are easy. So stick with it. Keep going. Find your grit and persevere. 
So the second new perspective about work um, is that tackling a job that seems worth doing and doing it in a competent manner is the best way for a person to gain self-esteem. Unquote, John Holt. So think about how you are going to feel fantastic when you're all done with what you got going. You can't beat self-respect, that's for sure. So the third perspective about work is that the truth is rigorous effort often prevents unnecessary stress and a much worse mess in the future. In fact, C.S. Lewis goes so far as to say this, it's laziness that means more work in the long run. I mean, I think we've all seen that in life. The fourth new perspective about work is that work is often play. Oliver Wendell Holmes was so right when he said, the root of joy, ass of duty, is to put all one's powers towards some great end, unquote. I think this root of joy that he's referring to is what some psychologists today call flow. And that is when one is so absorbed in their stimulating project that hours seem to pass by unnoticed. That feeling of flow is one of my favorite feelings in the world. Uh, you could Google the TED Talk about flow if you want more information. Tagore, another author, noted something similar along these lines. He said, quote, I slept and dreamt that life was a joy. I awoke and saw that life was duty. And I acted and behold, duty was joy. So a little disclaimer here before we move on. I realize that some tasks at hand are the opposite of play, no matter your perspective. I think about those who were enslaved to harsh masters throughout time, for example. But I'm just saying that with the right perspective, much of our work can give us a wonderful feeling of satisfaction, especially when we combine it with my next idea to find more joy and fulfillment and diligence. And that is to work smarter, not harder. I want to start this line of thinking with my own favorite way to work smarter, not harder, and that is multitasking. So multitasking is getting a really bad rap these days. I've heard new age thought leaders suggest things kind of along the lines of just stir the soup, just be present, think of absolutely nothing else. And to be honest, I could not disagree more. And I believe this suggestion to be perhaps a temptation from the enemy of our souls to prevent our minds during mindless tasks from going into deeper meditation over the weightier truths of God's word and synthesizing his written words with what is going on in our lives and the lives around us. If you are doing a mindless task in silence, I believe that is the perfect opportunity to redeem the time as Ephesians 5.16 tells us. As I travel around the country meeting hundreds of new brothers and sisters in Christ, I can tell you that a lot of your spiritual family, for example, use their daily walks as a time to pour out their hearts to God and sort their thoughts over the challenges in their lives in the light of his word. Other brothers and sisters in Christ listen to an audio Bible or sermons during their commutes to and from work or like doing housework and such. You could start a habit of making encouraging phone calls while you wear Bluetooth headphones to free up both hands to do laundry or iron or weed the garden or watch your kids play at the park. You can multitask by sending a comforting text to a hurting or worried friend while you're waiting in a long line. 
I mean, making the most of every opportunity is one way of working smarter, not harder. It's like what Thomas Edison meant when he said, quote, everything comes to him who hustles while he waits, unquote. Some other ideas of working smarter, not harder, is to steadily and continually move in one direction. If it's hard to know where to start, divide an overwhelming project into parts, then start with the little part that makes the most sense. Some unknown writer wrote this little rhyming reminder that you may even want your children to memorize. It goes, if a task is once begun, never leave until it's done. Be the labor, great or small, do it well or not at all, unquote. I think that's memorable. So the last idea I have for you about working smarter, not harder, is to think of procrastination as a needless and avoidable form of torture. (laughs) The truth is, the sooner you begin, the sooner you'll be done. The first and last steps are usually the hardest, so just jump right in. If there's something you can get done ahead of schedule, go for it. It feels fantastic to be ahead of the game. It's like Howard Ruff says, it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark, right? (laughs) And we never know when it's going to start raining, so to speak. But when you are ahead of the game, you are obviously more prepared for the unexpected. I know some forward-thinking brothers and sisters in Christ who cook up, for example, a month's worth of dinner entrees in a single day so that they can use that freed-up time in a more preferred pursuit. Other forward-thinking families go garage selling during the summers and store in labeled bins, you know, the clothes of clothing sizes that their children are growing into. Uh, when you stretch your dollars so that you can save money for car repairs and such, you are ahead of the game. And that's working smarter, not harder. Perhaps getting a degree at your earliest convenience in life in a field that helps humanity, that's being ahead of the game. Being ahead of the game will look different for each of us. Our next idea to find more satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment and diligence is to work first and play later. That way you don't have to work hardest when your energy is at its most scarce. Obviously, if we only start working after we've indulged in a lot of play, of course our tasks are going to feel like drudgery. We're exhausted now. But Benjamin Franklin was right when he said, The honest man takes pains and then enjoys pleasures. The knave takes pleasure, then suffers pain. Unquote. So it really, you know, it's all about timing. Let's give our freshest energies to the things that matter the most. Let's work first and play later. And by the way, do play. When you go out for a swim or a hike or a bike ride, you are making yourself better physically. I mean, that's diligence. When you go out to lunch with encouraging friends and laugh hard together, you are nourishing your priceless relationships. That's diligence. Same thing with date night with your husband or wife. You are growing your bond. That's diligence. Reading stimulating books that grow you intellectually. That's growth. That's diligence. Do fun volunteer work that makes a difference. All kinds of valuable things can be produced while you are playing. The right kind of recreation is just another way of making yourself better morally, intellectually, relationally, emotionally, and sometimes even physically. Again, whatever your hand finds to do it, do it with all your might. So play hard. Our ninth idea to find more satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment and diligence is to find your balance. 
Are you sick of your work because you're a workaholic who's addicted to the endorphins you get by your productivity so that you've become so obsessed that you can see the other elements within your life starting to suffer? Like your congregation or maybe your husband or your children or your wife or your health or the orderliness of your home or your friendships and so on. The amount of time invested in the various aspects of our life is certainly a reflection of what one values the most. We are told what to value most when God says to, quote, seek first the kingdom, unquote. I think about the worthy woman of Proverbs 31 who had a lot of irons in the fire. And yet in the end, we see overall that she was more relationship oriented. What a reminder that one's workplace can also be very fertile ground for drawing souls toward God so that they can have a better life and a far better eternity. In fact, when you look at life from an eternal perspective, the truth is when you successfully share God's truth and wisdom with open-hearted co-workers, that in the end, that will be the most important thing that you will accomplish during the course of your career. And maybe the very reason that God gave you the opportunity to be in the workplace that you occupy. So listen, I have a little side note here. Nothing says you have to clean your own house. The worthy woman of Proverbs 31 tended well to the ways of her household by delegating portions to her maidens. I mean, good thing she had earnings from the field that she purchased, right? There is no shame in that. If you are making, obviously, $100 an hour and get no personal satisfaction from housework, it makes sense to hire out your $40 an hour housekeeper so that you can spend more quality time enjoying and spiritually nurturing your family after work. So hats off to you. Here comes my final idea for finding more satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment and diligence. Number 10 is to take care of your engine. If you are suffering from low energy for an extended period of time, I mean, you're smart. You can figure this out. Listen, what might you streamline in your life to get the sleep that you were created to need? If you seem to have a fraction of the energy of the people around you for no reason that you can put your finger on, ask your doctor to check your thyroid or for an iron deficiency or anything else that he or she may think could be the source of your low energy. Beyond that, look into what sugar or an overindulgence in nutritionally empty, starchy, junky, high carb snacks because honestly, enough of that kind of fuel will put any of us into couch potato mode. Being habitually planted in a lazy boy recliner is not what God wants for us. Our Heavenly Father wants to bless us with so many blessings that are obtained by diligence. So here are a few. In Proverbs 12, 24 and chapter 22, verse 29, we learn that diligent people are often entrusted with the honor of more responsibility and are more likely to have an abundance. In Proverbs 13, 4, God says that the soul of the diligent is richly supplied and the soul is the best part of us to be richly supplied, isn't it? Ecclesiastes 5.12 points out that you're more likely to sleep well if you're working hard. You've probably found that to be true. In Titus 2, 9 and 10, we learn our work is an opportunity to, quote, adorn the gospel of God, our Savior, unquote. In other words, when our employers and co-workers see us living out our Christian virtues in the workplace, we show how God's wisdom is beautiful, desirable, attainable, and doable. 
Well, those are my 10 ideas for you around diligence. And I hope what I've said in this podcast has helped you in some way to cultivate diligence and to find some solutions to the important things you no longer want to neglect. You can only control you, but your example of diligence will no doubt be an inspiration to others as they observe what a difference it makes in the fruit of your labors. Of course, hard work looks different for everyone. So my final encouragement for you is to, again, keep your eyes on your own plate and avoid hasty judgment of others who, I mean, on the surface may look to you to be lazy. I'm granted people are distracted and lazy sometimes, but for all we know, they may also be super productive in one area and are just needing some more balance in their life. Rather than be a critic, maybe you could be a godsend to an open-hearted soul by sharing your skill and knowledge with him or her to learn some of the time management skills it takes to be more productive to the glory of God. So to fellow believers, I want to say let's just keep loving on each other. And I've seen as I travel around the country how good you are at that. I've seen it with my own eyes. And real love is why we're here, isn't it? May God bless you in all you do to his glory.